But if you map that linear journey down on one A4 bit of paper, just use a series of boxes. Don't put more than a few words in each box just to keep it very simple, very high level. That's a great place to start to say, right, here are 10 to 15 systems that are the guts of the way that I get business, sell business, deliver the core product or service and get them to come back and just start systemizing there. You're listening to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, the podcast for coaches, thought leaders, and change makers who are ready to become the standout expert. If that's you, stay tuned because you're in the right place. I'm your host, Samantha Riley, and I want to help you build a successful business sharing your expertise, generate the impact and income you need to create your ideal lifestyle. It's time to make a difference and scale up. Are you ready? Let's enter the lab. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, Dave. It's great to have you joining me here today. Pleasure. Thanks, Sam. I've been looking forward to this call. Oh, I know. It's been a little time in the making. You're such a busy person, so I'm excited to finally have you in the business lab. Why don't we start off with explaining a little bit about what it is you do and the kinds of clients that you work with? Yeah. You know how a lot of business owners, they can't take more than a day or two off from their business. They just can't step away with it feeling like everything's dependent on them and everything grinds to a halt. So I've kind of really recognized that's a big problem that I'm great at solving. So we help business owners step out of the day-to-day operations. We've developed a real process to be able to extract and organize and optimize best practice within teams. And then helping them build up what we call like a systems culture to get everybody to kind of buy in to the process and then really follow it through. And we've been working in a variety of different ways, you know, one-on-one helping businesses through this process. We do group coaching programs and we also have more of kind of like a do-it-yourself type service. We've got a the framework at seven steps in systemology and it goes from having no systems to building a business that runs you know, a bit more like a finely oiled machine and and doesn't have any key person dependency. Mm. Industries, though, varies. I've had a variety of different ones. Generally speaking, the message tends to resonate more with service-based businesses, Mm -hmm. people who are, you know, delivering their services through to their clients. But the industries can be varied, everything from digital agencies to coaches to people who clean roofing gutters to immigration companies to like a doggy daycare business. That's, I mean, that's a fun story. Mm -hmm. I had someone come to us and systemize their business and get it to a point where they were then bought by a very large corporate because they'd systemized. So yeah, variety of different spaces, but it's really just about moving the business owner out of the operations, getting them off the tools and working more like a business owner rather than like an employee in their own business. Mm, I love that. As you were talking, just the stories in my head of thinking about back all the times, because for anyone that doesn't know, my very first job was in McDonald's. So I understood systems and processes like nothing else. And, you know, because it was my first job at that time, I just thought that's how all businesses ran, that everything Mm. was exactly in order. Now, knowing this, I still went into my first business and got caught up in the day-to-day like it happens you don't even realize it's happening and I remember the very first time that my husband and I were due to go on our very first overseas trip and that same week our full-timer that was the manager of the store quit on 24 hours notice she went I'm not going to be back tomorrow and I'm like oh my god we can't go overseas and my husband said are you serious we need to sort (laughs) this out (laughs) and I think that and I've heard this over the years so many times business owners just 
thinking and I don't have the ability to go away or it's too stressful to take time off. And it's just, you know, it's a, a, it's a really sad thing to see because as business owners, we shouldn't be caught in our businesses. You know, we go into business to have the freedom and then all of a sudden we don't have it. And, you know, and B, it just shouldn't be like that. Straight out, it shouldn't yeah. be like that. So what was it? because there's always some sort of point in our business. What was it for you that made you realize that you really needed to systemize your business? The big catalyst was finding out we were pregnant when my wife found out and I thought, oh, I'm that business owner. I don't want to be that dad who's always too busy, can't hang out with the kids because they're always thinking about work. I was working, you know, mornings, evenings, weekends, like a lot of business owners, And then I just got into the habit of thinking that Mm. that's the way it was. Mm -hmm. And then that turning point happened and I thought, hang on, I know other business owners have been able to do this. They can build other businesses that aren't dependent on them. I even had experience of having been involved like you in other businesses where I'd seen that work. We used to own a rock and roll clothing music store that we franchised and we opened up three stores and that was a very systemized business. We sold one of the stores as a franchise. I also had a couple of other businesses I was involved in where I saw it work. But for some strange reason, my last business, the digital agency, I got trapped in it for about 10 years before I had that turning point, finding out we were pregnant and then going, hey, I've got to do something different here. And the type of things I was coming up with were things like, oh, but my business is too creative Mm -hmm. and I'm offering too much of a bespoke service. So there's no way it can be systemized. And it was a digital agency. So I also thought that, well, Google keeps on updating their algorithm and changing the way that they do things. So even if I create a system, it's going to very quickly become out of date. Mm -hmm. And I was worried that my staff, they were quite creative people. They were building websites and doing things like that. So it's very creative. And I thought, well, my business is too creative to be systemized mm-hmm. or my my team won't follow the systems even if I get them into place. Mm. And then then I thought, oh, well, it's going to have to be me that creates the systems, but I'm too busy anyway. Like I'm doing really long hours. The last thing I'm going to do is find another day here or there where I could start documenting process. And I didn't even enjoy documenting systems. And for some reason, I just got to that conclusion that, oh, maybe this business was different. And then I just needed to challenge those misconceptions. At every turn, every time I've pushed back on each one of those, I've realized it's something that I just picked up that was a false belief that I was carrying Mm -hmm. around. I didn't need to create the systems. I didn't need to be a systems person and the person who was driving the documentation. I could empower my team to do it. And I could get my team to buy into systems through kind of going through a process and helping them to realize what are the benefits to them by systemizing. So it was probably a long answer to that question, but I I feel passionate for the business owner that has a lot of those feelings because I had those too. Mm. And it wasn't until I tested them and I pushed through that then I started to get all of the benefits that come from having a systemized business, which everybody knows why you need a systemized business. I don't think I've ever had a discussion with a business owner where they've said, no, no, systems aren't important. It's yeah. always, yeah, they're important. But, I just don't like doing them. That's yeah, right. But, <laughs> yeah, and I think you've articulated that so well. And what I was trying to say was that that being busy does turn into a habit. And I think that the biggest, you know, even if there's only one takeaway from today's episode, and I know there'll be plenty more anyway, is that 
it's up to us as the business owner to stop that habit, to say, no, enough's enough. Something needs to change. So I would love you to share, like, what is the first thing that needs to happen for people to even move from, I can't do this, I'm too busy. And I love that you talk about the creative part too, because so many of our listeners are in that space where they're teaching their own IP and ideas. It's very hard to systemize that. What is it? actually that people are systemizing yeah there's a few things and that is the most common question the most common question is where do i start and we do have a process in systemology it's the step number one and we have a tool we call the critical client flow but speaking and we can run through the way that works but speaking directly to your listeners who struggle with that because maybe they're teaching their ip for some reason, people default into thinking that they need to systemize the hard bit first, mm-hmm. whereas the truth of the matter is it's infinitely easier to systemize all the easy stuff first. So systemize around everything that supports you doing the thing. Maybe it's booking calendars. Maybe it's getting things documented. Maybe it's the invoicing. Maybe it's, you know, like there's probably a lot of other things outside of the core creative component deliverable that could be systemized. So starting there first makes it a little bit easier. And sometimes it's counterintuitive because people go, oh, but that doesn't take much time. That's easy. I can easily book in my calendar. But -hmm. it's all the small bits of time that you save that have a cumulative effect that have the biggest impact. Just little things that rob your time consistently over a period of time. So, I mean, that's one thing to think about. Make it easy on yourself and systemize what's easiest first. Mm Um, as opposed to going for the hardest thing. And where to start, like the first stage in systemology, the process we have is called a critical client flow. Mm -hmm. This idea of identifying what are the 10 to 15 systems that really drive the business. Because if you can systemize how your business makes money and then you can remove any sort of key person dependency, Mm -hmm. then you create something that's much more scalable, profitable, a lot more efficient. So everybody can follow this exercise. You just get an A4 bit of paper In the top left-hand corner, write down your target audience, like your dream clients, people who pay your advertised prices, who are a pleasure to work with and will refer their friends and family. Then underneath that, think about what would be the primary product or service that you could sell to that target audience that would be a great starting point, an excellent way for them to get to know what it's like to work with you and your company that might be a gateway into the rest of your products and services and just break just that piece out. Identify what that is and maybe it's, you know, I know you work with a lot of experts and coaches. Maybe it's a consult. Maybe it's a deep dive session. Maybe it's that first audit that you run for your client. Figure out what that product is. And then we're going to map the linear journey that the prospect turning into a client and you delivering the products and services look like. So you start off at the top of the page and you think, how do you grab your target audience's attention? Once they come in and they raise their hand and they say they're interested, how does that happen? Are they filling out a form on the website? Do they shoot you an email? Then what happens next? Do you have some sort of sales process? Do you qualify them and get them onto a Zoom call and then issue out a proposal? You just map this linear journey down the page. When they're ready to pay, what does that look like? Do they give you 50% up front or 50% on completion? Then what happens? Well, do you have some sort of onboarding sequence that gets them into your project management platform and sends them a welcome email? And how do you get them to fill out a questionnaire to get the relevant info that you need from them? And then 
you go into the delivery of the work. What is it that you're actually doing? And then finally, at the bottom of the page, this just ends up being um, how do you hand over and deliver the thing that they've purchased and try and on-sell them and get them to buy other products and services. But if you map that linear journey down on one A4 bit of paper, just use a series of boxes. Don't put more than a few words in each box just to keep it very simple, very high level. That's a great place to start to say, right, here are 10 to 15 systems that are the guts of the way that I get business, sell business, deliver the core product or service and get them to come back and just start systemizing there. Don't worry about, oh, I've got to systemize hiring staff or I need to systemize my finance systems or my management systems. Let's first systemize how you make money Mm. because that's really what business is all about. And getting that to happen without key person dependency is a game changer for a lot of business owners. Absolutely. And I can say it is a game changer because when I picked up your book and went through the process, I did that and I'm a very system-oriented person. But even, even I looked at it and went, there's a couple of gaps here. You know, just being able to map that out made it very easy to see where the holes were and where systems needed to be put into place. You know, I did have quite a lot there, but it was a game changer. It really was because I think that when we're talking about sales and bringing clients on, it needs to be something that you don't think about. I find when you're thinking about that piece too much, and I've noticed this with so many clients, when they're thinking about this too much, that's when the clients don't come in as easily. Yes. And a good place to start, I'll say as well, first capture what you're currently doing, not what you would like to do. Because I mean, you had a a really astute observation there, but by identifying the CCF and then going, it's okay that there's a hole here or here because that identifies where the issues are. Then, Uh like I said, go for the easy bit. Just do what you are currently doing and then, yeah, circle back around and then you can start to plug in some of the holes. And then it becomes, once you see your business as a collection of systems and you realize that every problem in your business is just because you haven't clearly identified or articulated a system or maybe the system is somewhat broken, it becomes much easier to start fixing this problem because you think about solving the problem by fixing the system. So if you go... I don't have enough leads. Well, you need some lead generation systems. Mm-hmm. If you go, I have problem converting my leads. I'm not converting them at you know a level I'm comfortable with. Well, maybe you need to improve your sales systems. If you've got clients that are hopping on the phone and following you up every second day saying, oh, where's my project up to? I thought you said you were going to do this and that. Well, maybe you don't have an appropriate client onboarding system. All problems can be traced back to the systems level mm-hmm. and it become if you can solve it at the systems level, you solve it once and for all. Mm. And that's what a business owner should be doing. Um, where a business owner gets caught in that trap is where they're solving the same problems over and over and over again. Mm. And then it's just a game of more whack-a-mole and it's whichever <laughs> client has the problem, you're, you're kind of dealing with the mole as it pops up. Yeah, yeah, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. Is that? Is yes. that? Like, yeah, yeah. We don't want to be in that. And I think that all of those different systems – are really important and I love that you brought up lead system, lead generation and sales because I think a lot of people can get caught thinking that systems are just more in the operations and that one of the biggest problems I see in coaches and consultants is what I call this roller coaster income where they do their lead generation then they get really busy and they stop the lead generation and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, 
hang on a minute, we've got no clients again. Yeah. So there's, they're constantly, you know, doing this roller coaster where having a system means that it's implemented and being it worked on 24-7. So we get out of that roller coaster. We've got a mutual friend, you know him, Alan Dibb, and he mm. wrote the book, The One Page Marketing Plan. And I have had numerous discussions with him because he is also a systems thinker. So it's great to see the way that he approaches marketing mm -hmm. with a view for systems. Mm -hmm. Because he is an expert, a coach, a consultant, like he's in that same space. And he has a handful of about five or six systems that he runs all the time, regardless of how busy or not he is. And it keeps his pipeline full. So he's got systems. There's a system for outreaching to get him on other people's podcasts mm -hmm. and doing it consistently. He, and he has a virtual assistant who runs that. He has a system for the way that he gets reviews on his book and what he calls cousin reviewers. He's written a book and he likes to have those reviews go up on Amazon. And he's got a handful of systems that just run in the background. And from a marketing perspective, it keeps his funnel quite full. So then, you know, new people are tipping into the top of the funnel. Then he runs maybe a promotion or he launches a new product, you know, every quarter or whatever it is. And he'll go to his database, which is constantly getting filled up with these new prospects. Mm. So it means when he runs a program, he's got more than enough people ready to go. Mm. And I think it's a really great way to think of things. And you're right, all, all areas of business, a system is just about, you know, a consistent set of steps that create a predictable outcome. Mm. So there are certain predictable outcomes that you would like in your business as a business owner and everybody needs them and you want to create systems around it. Every business needs consistent leads. Every business needs to be able to consistently convert those leads into customers. Mm. Every business needs to be able to consistently deliver their core product or service and get them to come back. So it's, and yes, there are systems outside of that. You know, like I said, we didn't touch on finance or HR or management. Some of these ones you would look at later down the line, but at least systemize how you make money because you don't have a business if you're not making money consistently. Absolutely. Amen. <laughs> Before we go any further, I'd love to give a bit of context. You and I know what we're talking about, but maybe other people don't. Can you just give a very brief overview of the seven steps of the systemology process? I'll get yes. it out eventually, just so that we've got or our listeners have a little bit of context. Yeah. So the seven steps, step number one, we covered it. It's actually define, which has to do with the identifying those mission critical systems. Step number two is assign. So that's figuring out where on your team does the knowledge already exist. The more you can get out of the way of building systems and processes, the better you are because you as a consultant, an expert and a coach, you're busy. So trying to put another thing on your to-do list is not a good idea. So step number two is about where does the knowledge reside with regards to the, the critical client flow. Then step number three is extract. That's how do we get it out of the brains of those team members and how do we do that in an easy way? And the secret for that step is understanding that it's a two-person job. You've got the person who has the knowledge and you have a separate person who is the documenter. Just that step alone means you get infinitely better traction. Then step number four is the organize. So once you've extracted the info, you've got to organize it. You've got to, where are you going to store these systems so that there's a central repository that everybody can go to, to know, oh, if I need to know how to do X, Y, Z, this is where I go. It's like a knowledge base. Uh, then the next step after organize is integrate. 
And that's once you've got the systems, you have to get the team to buy in because mm. you can have things documented, you can have them great, you know, well-organized, but if your team aren't going to follow them, then it doesn't really matter anyway. Yeah, absolutely. So there are some strategies around making sure that the team follows it. And the biggest part is helping them to understand there's a real benefit to them individually systemizing your business is not just about you boosting your bank account and going on longer holidays and those sorts of things. It also makes their job easier as well. So clearly articulating that is the integrate stage. Then the next stage after that is the scale stage. That's where we start to think about what are the systems that fall outside of the critical client flow? And we touched on some of the other departments there. You know, your business, it really is as only as strong as your weakest system. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes when I work with someone like, you know, a coach or a consultant, it's almost like they've been in the gym and they've exercised just one body part. They've got (laughs) biceps, maybe they got great IP or maybe they're excellent at sales, but then, you know, they've got the skinny legs, you know, Uh their finance uh department and following up and making sure that invoices get paid is rubbish or Maybe they're not very good with onboarding staff. So usually they're just strong in certain areas, whereas the scale stage is about understanding to build a profitable growing business. You want to be Mm well-rounded because all of the departments need to be strong. Otherwise, the wheels just fall off as you scale. And then the last stage is the optimized stage. And this comes back to, I mean, this says something you mentioned about McDonald's earlier. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, um, it was great for you to, be in McDonald's, see the systems, and then you would have learned more about the idea of building a systems culture. It wasn't the fact that they had a big fat manual of all of the systems that was really the magic. The magic was that systems thinking was embedded in everything that you do. Absolutely. It was always look to the system. Mm-hmm. So for people who didn't have the benefit of your experience, from the outside looking in, people look at McDonald's and they go, oh, McDonald's is the poster child of business systemization. I need to build a business like McDonald's. I need to have big phone book-like manual that covers every aspect of the business that can take a 15-year-old kid off the street and get him in flipping hamburgers. Uh-huh. Um, they think that's what a systemized business is. Mm, but it's not. what you actually want to think about is how did McDonald's systemize 60 years ago, not Mm -hmm. just what does McDonald's look like today. So the final step is optimizing. So leave the optimization till last. Um, And then the homework I'll set every listener is to go hire the movie, The Founder, Mm, which is tells the story of Ray Kroc and uh, the McDonald's brothers. And one of the first scenes is he goes out to this basketball court and they get the chalk out and they map out what the store is going to look like. And they say, oh, should we put the thick shake machine right near the drive through window or do we put it over near the fryer? And they're moving stuff around. Mm-hmm. That's the way that systems should be developed. It's not the fancy manual that you're seeing now after years of optimization. First, you just, you know, it's rough around the edges and you've just got to get started and you've got to build a culture for it in your business, whether it's you as the business owner, or maybe you find an operations person who is the systemized person who drives it forward. I often find the creative, um, a lot of the people that you work with that are listening to this aren't necessarily, usually they're the worst person in the business to be driving Mm -hmm. this initiative forward. Mm. They need to see the vision 
They need to know it's important and then they need to empower the right team members to do it. They, they're they not going to be the ones writing out the detailed systems and process. I feel like you just read my mind because that was my very next question. Who is the person that's recording these systems? Because I think this is such a crucial part to actually getting the systems created in the first place because so many people think it's them as the business owner, as the visionary, as the CEO and uh, I'm I'm pretty sure that we both agree that it's not the right person. <laughs> yes. And there's a couple of roles here that um, can step into this. One of the roles is uh, we call them like a systems champion. If you can find someone on your team and maybe it's a virtual assistant who's detail orientated, who naturally does checklists and tasks, who might already write up systems and processes empowering them and in the book we have a thing we call the system for creating systems giving them a system saying this is how we like things documented can be a great place to start at least it gets the ball rolling and you get comfortable with doing zoom videos or loom videos recording tasks within the business getting done and then you give that recording to the documenter or the systems champion and then have them watch it pull out the key steps and then go back to the person who did the original recording and say, oh, did I get this? Did I miss anything? And then, you know, giving it to another team member to run through. So that's an easy role that everybody can identify and recruit for. The harder role to spot, and it will depend on the size of the business as well, is that operations person. Mm -hmm. And that's oftentimes the right-hand man or woman to the visionary creative And I know Gina Wickman does a great job of talking about this in a book called Rocket Fuel. Mm -hmm. And he talks about the right-hand person being what he calls an integrator. And that's the person who gets systems, processes, they're great at managing team, and they like to do all of the things that oftentimes the visionary owner doesn't like Mm. to do. So it's finding that yin to yang. It's a hard role to recruit for. In my previous business, the digital agency, I had a lady, Melissa, who was that for me. And we got the business to a point where she ran that Melbourne SEO services hands off without me for three years. I chatted with her about once a month. And it wasn't until she had some changes in her family life and she had to move back to the States for some personal reasons. She resigned And then I ended up selling that business. But my initial goal was just to hold on to that business because it was a bit of a cash cow. But Mm -hmm. it's finding that person is challenging. Mm. One area you could look at as well, I think um, there's a guy, Cameron Herald, and he has a thing called the COO Alliance. Mm -hmm. And and he he says he's the the number one place for training your number twos. Uh I Um, love it. (laughs) and it's they are out there but they're often usually they don't have the spotlight on them because it's the visionary creative that gets all of the spotlight Mm -hmm. that is the Mm -hmm. you know the person everybody thinks of um you know it's like the i'm trying to think of a a good example i mean henry ford had his i think it was his cousin uh someone cousins who was his right hand man Mm -hmm. but everybody knows henry ford you don't know the operations person ray Kroc. he had fred turner like mm-hmm. it's the the people it's those people you don't hear about but usually they're the ones that actually driving the business yeah i think gary vaynerchuk's brother actually drives vayner media doesn't he yeah there you yeah. go yeah. um and i know that as you were talking about this i know that 
one of the biggest mistakes that I made when I first went into coaching. And I think that this is really important because a lot of coaches are sort of in that DI personality in the DISC profile and mostly in that I sort of quadrant. So a lot of us are very attracted to or drawn to people that are also I personalities definitely not the person to create systems, let me tell you. So the biggest win that we had was founding an amazing C-type personality who all of my clients will know exactly who I'm talking about because they all reach out to her because she is the systems person in our business. So don't look for someone that's like you. Look for someone that is able to look after the part or, or is excited by or thinks in a way that you don't because it's that person that you're trying to fill. The biggest thing to realize here, and I think um, why systemology has been such a hit, is because most of the work that's been produced to date on systems are from the operations people, but the operations people don't know how to then speak through to a visionary. Mm. So I'm a visionary who understands systems, and I'm sold on what systems can deliver. And that's what gets me excited as a business owner and a visionary is I see the positive effects, but I don't like documenting systems and Mm -hmm. processes. I'm not that detailed person, but I know to build a growing scalable business and you need systems. And I think if if someone takes something away from this, it's that uh, you don't have to be a systems person to necessarily own a systemized business. Mm. You just need to fully buy in and understand that this is the culture that you're building. And because as a leader, you still need to be able to lead the team and show them. But when it comes to the tic tacs and the doing, you most likely are not the best person to do it. So systemology has been written for the visionary owner. Yeah, yeah, I love that because something else that I wrote down just a little moment ago, you were talking about the systems of McDonald's and the big manual. Now, what's interesting is that I did work at McDonald's for a few years and I wasn't part of the leadership team, but I was through marriage part of the leadership team there. So I saw the manuals. They are big. I never saw the manuals. What I saw was the delivery of it to the staff. And I think that that was probably a good thing for me as well, because if I had seen the manuals, it probably would have made my eyes go a little bit glassy (laughs) (laughs) where I couldn't tell you the seven steps of service anymore, but I can tell you there are definitely seven steps of service and I haven't worked there in 30 something years. (laughs) (laughs) So it's about really, I think that as the visionary, we need to think about systems firstly before the systems are created is what is it that we want the outcome to be and and I think that the biggest thing for me and believe me I do not write systems it is so far from my zone of genius it's not funny I have other people that do that for me but as soon as something goes wrong or you know as soon as there's a something a phone call that's just like that didn't work it's like bang nothing else happens in our business until there's a system because I know that having a system will mean that we've got repeatable processes that are more likely to be not have a client reaching out because they're upset or something's gone wrong. And I mean, it's always going to happen. You know, you don't, you don't have a hundred percent of happy days when you're in business, but you know, the first thing that we look at if something goes wrong is okay, what system needs to be implemented? You are the perfect example of what I'm talking about with the visionary 
leader who gets systems and the importance of it while you're not necessarily getting in there and doing the documentation you have that front and center it's part of the culture that you build inside the team which then it becomes immediately obvious to me how you've managed to build such a large business to touch so many lives and help so many coaches and experts around the world because of the way that you think systems help with scale Mm-hmm. Systems solve problems perpetually and business as a visionary leader, your game and what you're great at doing is solving problems. Mm-hmm. What we want to do is just make sure that you're continually leveling up the quality of the problem that you're solving. A lot mm-hmm. of people, they get stuck down and they're solving these same problems over and over and over. They get that same phone call in a month's time where they didn't create the system like Sam did and they have the same issues that they have to work through because they didn't solve it from the point of systems and then that stops them then solving the higher quality problem because it's all about creating space. The place where the visionary leader does their best work is when they have space. If you're stuck in the weeds and you don't find enough time to forward think and plan you're taking away what your zone of genius is you're you're able to spot those non-linear movements that are going to be the big game changes that most people can't see and unfortunately if you're just stuck doing the day-to-day you're going to miss them as well and sadly that's your zone of genius so i think the person listening to this it needs to be a wake-up call for them that now's the time for systems. Like Mm -hmm. there's never been an easier time in history to systemize your business because Mm -hmm. so much change is happening in the world that the resistance to change has dropped significantly. So sometimes people go, oh, when I'd go to my team, they'd go, oh, why do I have to create a system and a process? I've always done it this way. Why do I have to change? Whereas now Everybody is so accepting because they're working from home. They're seeing changes in their community, changes in their work life and their family life. So when you come to them and say, hey, we need to change the way that we're doing things, it's accepted because now there is a lot of change. So it's the person listening to this right now, there has never been a better time to do this. Mm. Growth and scale cannot happen without systems, like 100% cannot happen with systems. I believe that... So many people think that systems come down the track, like I need to build my business, I need to grow my business, then I bring in systems. I have brought you on, Dave, because I want people to realize it happens the opposite way, that by by implementing the systems from day one, that they are then able to grow and scale and then they are able to add more systems yeah, trying to grow and scale without systems. You just, it's like Groundhog Day. You'll just be yeah. not getting anywhere. So can you please tell us more about Systemology, yeah. the book that you've written, because this is a fabulous workbook for people to go through and start implementing these systems tomorrow. I want to speak to one real specific point you brought up there, which is speaks to this idea. It's almost like it's the art and the science of building a business There is a level of art that comes into it and uh, interpretation and depending on where people are up to in the journey and finding the right balance between documenting and over-documenting. So if if it's just you and you're a micro person, the systems that Sam's talking about are, you know, high-level checklist bullet points to know that you're following a certain process. As you get a VA and you start growing, well, now you might need a more detailed system that now outlines 
how to book a calendar appointment for you to get it off your plate. And you do want the more detail so that the virtual assistant can do it. As you grow, those systems will become more detailed. But initially, keep the systems quite light. Just get a flow and, you know, a checklist and high level because you don't get a huge amount of leverage when you're a one-man band. There's no point in you writing out a lengthy, here's how to schedule a Zoom webinar if you're the only person on the team and probably in the foreseeable future going to be the only person on the team. So you need to find that right balance and you only create systems and go to the the depth that's required. There's no point in going overkill. Uh, and, and I see that quite a lot with people who, you know, maybe they're exploring things like ISO certification and they just document for the sake of documenting so they can tick a box <laughs> mm-hmm, to say I have mm-hmm. systems in place as opposed to what systemology is about. Systemology is about growing the small business and um, I understand small business operates on a knife's edge and you've got, you know, thin margin for error. You don't want to be documenting systems that have little or no impact so the whole critical client flow in that first step we talked about, the, the CCF, which we cover in, in the book Systemology, is about identifying the mission-critical system. So I think Systemology, the reason I wrote it was to address you know, a very poorly addressed component of business, one that a lot of visionary leaders don't understand and they don't necessarily resonate with. And they might have read the books, they read the e-myth and traction and scaling up and built to sell. And all of them say you need systems. Everybody knows you need systems. Mm-hmm. But the biggest problem I had when I was you know, looking to systemize my business is, yes, but where do I start? Mm. What are the first systems? How do I get my team on board? How do I get myself out of the process? And systemology has been written very specifically to solve that problem that I don't believe has been solved or addressed well enough. Mm-mm. I really love and thank you so much for picking up that gap that I left there in that a system doesn't need to be a huge document. In my head, I knew that, but I didn't articulate that. And I think that that is so valuable to know that a system doesn't need to take a whole day to write and it's something complex because it might only be a dot point of three things so that maybe you can just set up an automation, might take 10 minutes and you walk away from it. And I think that that's what I love about your system is that it is simple. And then it just grows and builds as your business grows and builds. So I thoroughly recommend it. Where can people go to get a copy, Dave? Yeah, just head to systemology.com forward slash book and the links through to Amazon or if you want to get it on Audible or Book Depository or wherever. It's pretty much at all good bookstores. And since you're listening to this, you might be an audio person. There is the audio version of the book. And I've got a podcast as well, Business Processes Simplified. It's very different from Sam's podcast. All I do is I <laughs> I interview people and say, tell me how you do this thing. And they go, step one, step two, step three. And then then we document those. But yeah, I think through the systemology.com forward slash book, you'll just find links to all of the work that we do. Love it. And I do highly recommend that if you are a reader to get a hard copy of the book because mine is dog-eared and has lines and has post-it notes everywhere. So yeah, definitely got onto that. Dave, thank you so much for coming onto the show today and talking about 
a topic which I have such a love-hate relationship with. (laughs) And I say that because I love systems. My business is full of them, but I hate creating them. So thank you so much for coming and talking about them today. My pleasure. Thanks for that. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to the show. Whenever you're ready, here are three ways I can help you. Number one, grab a free copy of the Thought Leaders Positioning Checklist over at samantharileyglobal forward slash checklist. Number two, check out my inner circle for coaches, experts, and change makers over at samantharileyglobal forward slash inner circle. Or number three, connect with me to discuss how I can work with you on a more personal or a one-on-one level at hello at samantharileyglobal. I look forward to hanging out with you here again on Thursday, right here on the Thought Leaders Business Lab.